the Buddha used the image of the island to describe Nibbana. In the Sutta Nipata, in Kappa's questions, uh, the Buddha says there, there is an island that you cannot go beyond, which provides safety, security in the, <clears throat> in the torrent of suffering and difficulty. There is an island, a safe place. But mysteriously, it's an island that you can't go beyond. Normally we would think of an island as surrounded by water. But how can there be an island that you, you can't go past, can't get beyond? What is that? How is that? So it's a mysterious image in some respects. We know what an island is. We know what stormy waters, treacherous, dangerous waters, a river in flood or a wild sea. We know what that is. And we understand the quality of safety or security. The island being a, a firm, reliable place, a place of safety amidst the, the storms and currents, floods, the raging waters. So how is it that we can't go beyond it? And when we reflect upon this uh, image, this symbol that the Buddha gave, we can consider the the island, the safe place, is this very quality of awareness, this awakened knowing, vicha, awakened awareness, lokutarapanya, supramundane wisdom. This quality of your own mind that knows the sound of this voice, the meaning of the words, the array of perceptions, moods, thoughts, feelings, they are known by this quality of awareness of your heart, this heart, this mind. That is the refuge, the safe place. And normally, in our customary habits of identification and attachment, then the mind thinks, I feel, I see, I think, I understand, I don't understand, I'm confused. I'm happy. I'm inspired. I don't know what I am. It takes that awareness and mixes it up together with self-view, like and dislike, opinions, fears, hopes, happiness and unhappiness. It 
to use Lumpocha's image of the oil and water together in the bottle. We, the oil and the water are together in the bottle, but they, we shake them up with self-view, with sila pataparamasa, attachment to conventions, rules, observances, agreements. Vichikicha, doubt. The other and the other fetters keep shaking the bottle up so it seems that the oil and the water are one liquid. That the knowing quality and the known are the same. Of an equal order. Of the same substance. But when we put the bottle down, then the water and the oil naturally separate. They are immiscible. They can't be mixed, really. It's only the agitation of attachment and confusion, love and hate, identity, the mind attached to the realm of birth and death, the bhava chakra, the wheel of becoming. That's what shakes the bottle up and creates the, the illusion of a single substance. When the bottle is put down, the awakened awareness and the objects of awareness, thoughts, memories, moods, opinions, likes and dislikes, sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, they separate out naturally, easily, without effort. The oil and the water don't have to be persuaded to come apart. That's their nature. Similarly, the nature of this awareness, this quality of knowing of this heart, it doesn't have to be persuaded or changed to be of a different order to sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, feeling. It is of a naturally different order naturally transcendent. If there was not the unborn, unoriginated, uncreated, unformed, then liberation from the born, the created, the conditioned and the formed would not be possible. But because there is the unborn, unconditioned, uncreated, unformed, so therefore liberation is possible. Because this awakened awareness is of a different order. It is transcendent over the the realm of conditioned forms, the flow of events, seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, thinking, remembering, imagining, anticipating. Because it's naturally, intrinsically transcendent over that. If we put the bottle down, they separate out. If we let the body, the mind, alone, let it be still, let it be known. Then that quality of awakened awareness and the objects of awareness separate out. It's recognized that they're seeing, hearing, feeling, smelling, tasting, touching, thinking, hoping, fearing, resenting, desiring, regretting, Reminiscing, 
these patterns arise and pass away. They take shape, they dissolve. How could they be what we are? How could they be anything substantial or real? They're conditioned. Contingent. They flow into, sh into form and dissolve in an incessant, unrelenting stream. So the island is this very awareness. The island that you can't go beyond is that because you can't make awareness into an object. The mind can be aware, but it can't turn awareness into an object. As Lumpur Sumato used to say, you can't see your own eyes. You can see, but you can't see your own eyes. You can see them reflected in a mirror, but that's not your eyes. That's the light bouncing off your eyes, coming back from the mirror. We can't see our own eyes, but we can see. Or like Ajahn Shah used to say, it's like riding a horse, looking for the horse. You can't make knowing into a, a separate object, but the mind can know, can be aware. That's why you can't get beyond it. That's what the, the not being able to get beyond means in the image of the island. The Puru, the one who knows, the, the Buddha wisdom, awakened awareness, this is the, the back wall of experience. This is the agency of experience, the, the medium, the mode of experiencing this very quality of, of awakened awareness. And it is akinchanam, anadhanam. The island is a place of no-thingness, akinchanam, anadhanam. Non-ownership, it's unownable, it's a place of non-possession, of no-thingness. So this awareness, this knowing quality, can't own anything. It can't be anything. Which doesn't mean to say it doesn't exist, but it's not a thing. It's not a, an object that arises and passes away. It's not possessed of a form or individuality. It's a place of no-thingness. The heart, the jitta, is not a thing. It's not a person. Anadhanam. Non-possession. Not ownable. Akinchanam anadhanam a place of no-thingness, a place of non-possession. So when we relate to experience from a place of self-view, I want to own stuff. The more stuff I've got, the richer I am, the more substance I have. My possessions, my reputation, my ideas, my achievements, 
or those stuff that the I thinks it owns. Just like the, the Buddha uses the image of the dung beetle, very proud of its large ball of dung. Dung beetle rolls a ball of dung to lay its eggs in. In the image of the, the, the Buddha, he says someone, a summoner who is proud of their abilities to they wield psychic power or their abilities to teach or the number of disciples they have or the degree of their, their learning. To be proud, a summoner who is proud of those kind of spiritual qualities and their reputation or their abilities. Just like a dung beetle being proud of how great their dung ball is. Look at my dung ball. This is the biggest dung ball of any of them around here. This is the best ball of dung. Look at it. Aren't you amazed? How fantastic my ball of dung is. To the dung beetle, it might be a very precious possession, but to a human being, looking on, it's just a beetle with a, a ball of dung. There's no, no value, no essence, no meaning, no thing special there. So we can reflect on the things that we think we own, being um, a nun or a monk, being an ajahn, being a lay disciple, being a, you know, a devotee, one who's a committed practitioner, one who's a, a teacher or a doctor or an engineer. Or a, so many years of devoted service. We carry these credentials around like the dung beetle so proud of all the stuff that we've got, who we are, our status, how many years we've been in robes, or how much uh, we've had published in terms of books, or how many degrees we've got, or how many retreats we've been on. It's just like the dung beetle. Yeah, yeah and some, from some point of view it has a bit of value, but essentially, it's no thing that can really be owned by any being. There's no thing there. Nibbana is a place of non-possession. The heart which knows it can't own anything, can't be anything, but it doesn't need to be. From the worldly point of view, when we say it's a place of non-possession, then it experiences that as a, a quality of loss. Don't take my reputation away from me. All my, if I disrobe now, I'd lose all my reins. I wouldn't be a Jalkun anymore. Eek. Struck off the medical register. Abandoned by your, your siblings or your children. Thrown out of your country. All these things we take to be our precious possessions, our right. Our nationality. None of it is really owned or really who and what we are. If it vanishes from the point of self-view, it's taken as a loss. Don't want to lose my, my possessions, my savings, my, my home, my things, my health, my abilities. Don't want to lose my hearing, my sight, my mobility. In exactly the same way, we, 
ignorantly assume these things belong to a, an I. I can see, I can think, I can move, I can hear, I can speak. But the day will come when the words dry up, the legs no longer work, the tongue won't taste anything, the stomach won't digest food, the brain won't think straight. But has anything really been lost? Right now we have the illusion of mobility, incompetence, individuality. In our middle years, the illusion is at its maximum uh, the degree of, of uh, impact. The impression is strongest that I'm an independent person. I can see, I can think, I can move, I can hear, I can choose. I can do what I like, I can do what I want, go where I like. If we're wise, we'll see, well, those are temporary conditions. When we were a baby, couldn't feed ourselves, couldn't walk anywhere, couldn't think straight. If we're wise, we'll see these things come and go. Health, reputation, possessions, friendships. These are all unstable, uncertain, not genuine possessions. They're not who and what we are. They're going. Everything is leaving. Everything is leaving. But that which is reliable is not a thing. The Dhamma is not a thing. This heart is not a thing. Nibbana is a place of no-thingness, a place of non-possession. So from the point of view of self-view, when we talk about non-possession or our faculties disappearing, it feels like a loss. Our reputation, our friendships, don't say that, don't talk in that way. Oh no, you're making me, you're making me nervous. Well, that which is made nervous is, is the, the habit of self-view. The heart itself, when it hears these things, it sings with joy, of course. How could it be otherwise? Who was here to own anything in the first place? Who was here to be the possessor of these abilities or friendships or capacities? They never belonged to anybody in the first place. But this heart that knows, this is what is reliable. It's the safe place. So if we've developed the heart, developed the refuge in awareness, then as the eyes go and the ears go and the reputation goes, the possessions go, the relationships go, mobility goes, we're fine. Nothing's been lost. That was not who we were in the first place. Those things never had an owner. The heart is fine. Just because the hearing or thinking or seeing or smelling, tasting, touching is no longer available, so what? There's the ongoing flow of perceptions. Just like Lumpur Cha, the last 10 years of his life, couldn't walk, couldn't speak, couldn't talk, couldn't engage. He was fine. He was absolutely fine.
people from the outside thought he was must be terribly frustrated and miserable, pained. But uh, by all accounts, he was absolutely fine. When I went to see him in that time, this sort of wave of, oh, poor Lung poor, stuck in his wheelchair, can't speak, can't move. This very strong intuition of, do not weep for me, weep for yourself. You know, you're the one who's in trouble, not me. <laughs> I'm fine. Don't, uh, don't think that uh, <clears throat> just because you can walk and think and talk that you're the fortunate one. Not so. Therefore, we use the practice to cultivate this taking refuge being that island itself, being that awakened awareness that knows gain and loss, pleasure and pain, success and failure, happiness and unhappiness. That knows them for what they are. To not take refuge in the feeling of possession, of being something, or having some qualities. These are not reliable refuges. Nibbana is the place of no-thingness, non-possession. Akinchanang, anadanang. In those clear moments when the grasping stops and the mind is awake and aware, it knows this. The heart knows. It isn't a thing. It isn't a person. It's awake. It's aware. There's a quality of simplicity, ease, spaciousness, limitlessness. And it knows it's not a being, not an entity, not a mortal thing. There's simplicity, freedom, peacefulness. And the more that that is fully cognized, fully appreciated, then when we move around, open our eyes, pick up the phone, go into the kitchen, eat our food, and engage with the perceptions and choices of the world, then the heart knows this is just the putting on the costume of the, the human experience. This is just the appearance, the seeming of things. And that very attentive, awake awareness then informs the choices, the actions, informs our speech, our relationships, our feeling for the world, the people and the beings around us. That awakened awareness informs the qualities of harmlessness, honesty, compassion, simplicity, 